All right. Before we get started today, I wanted to um, kind of tell you where we're going. Have you ever, um, in a relationship, have you ever experienced silence? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever, like, uh, you, you've, you've been, uh, been friends with someone and then something happens, there's a misunderstanding, you said something you shouldn't have, they said something they shouldn't have, and then all of a sudden there's no communication, there's just silence? Um, I don't know if, you know, those of you who are married, have you ever experienced the silent treatment? The cold shoulder? Men, don't make eye contact with your wives now. This isn't a good time. Later. Um, have you ever experienced the silence treatment? Have you ever had that? Have you ever, we have it in our lives where um, there's been some misunderstanding or we've done something that's hurtful to someone and then all of a sudden the relationship experiences silence and brokenness at least for a time. Um, that's a really painful thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard to suffer that loss and that interruption in our relationship, but it happens, doesn't it? Um, we are kind of a clumsy people and selfish people, and, and we say things that we shouldn't say, and we do things that are thoughtless, and, and we're selfish too many times and not thinking of other people. And so sometimes, yeah, we experience silence in relationships. Um, and if you'll allow me a little bit of leeway here, this is kind of what happened between God and his people, between the Testaments. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, the last prophet to speak in the Old Testament was 400 years. There had been 400 years of silence after the last prophet of Israel had spoken uh, before Christ came. And in that time, there was no word from God. There was no prophet given. There was no one who stood up and said, this is what the Lord says, because for generations... Prophets, God had given the Israelites prophets, and he told them over and over and over again, repent and turn to, turn to me, and I will show you grace, and I will show you mercy. And for a short time, they would turn to God, and then a short time later, they would turn away from him, and they would worship other gods, and they would go off in their own direction. Over and over and over again, a generation after generation, it happened over and over and over again, until at the end of the Old Testament, between the Testaments, there's 400 years where there was no communication from God to his people other than what had already been given. No fresh word, no word from God whatsoever. Um, just uh, as a side note, can you imagine living in that time when there was no prophet, that there was no one speaking for God, there was no one coming with a fresh word from God who was saying, this is what God says, this is what God wants you to do now or next. There was no one in that time. What a, what a hopeless and terrible 400 years that would have been to, to have lasted for generations. Um, but the incredible thing is, is that um, who interrupted the silence? Uh, did people repent and turn back to him and pray for, you know, days or months, or whatever, and then finally the Lord relented and turned around? No, um, there wasn't anything like that. What happened was God relented, and he broke the silence and sent his son after 400 years, and he demonstrated his love towards people, the Israelites and everyone else in the world for that matter, and he sent his son to die for us on the cross after 400 years of silence. But the brokenness, that 400 years of silence was, is kind of a metaphor of the brokenness in the relationship between God and man because we could not, because man could not keep their end of the deal. They couldn't maintain faithfulness to God since they couldn't do that and they would always wander off. There was brokenness in relationship. Yeah. It happens to us sometimes and it happens, uh, it happens between man and God except that God intervened and demonstrated his love for us and that he sent his son even while we were still sinners. But we're going to get into that. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 John chapter 4, please. 1 John chapter 4. 
This is John, who is, of course, one of the apostles and one of the disciples. He's, he's called in the Gospel of John uh, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. This was, um, John was a member of one of the, the three closest friends of Jesus, and actually he was probably, what we get from the, from the Gospels is that he was the closest and most loved of all the disciples. And uh, you can see it in his writing in uh, 1 John, especially when he writes about the love of God and how it ought to be in us uh, and the love of Christ. But uh, anyway, in John chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 through 14. Start with me there in, in 1 John 4 in verse 7. He says, dear friends, we're going to read through this and then we'll go back, kind of go through it verse by verse. Dear friends, let us one, love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God, who has been born of God and knows God. Uh, whoever does not, I'm sorry, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is, is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his, of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the Savior of the world. All right, now let's go back through that just a, a little bit, verse by verse. In verse 7, there's a couple of things that he says. Love comes from where? Love comes from God. He is the initiator. He is the author of love. He's the one who invented it. It comes from him. He is the source of it. People who exhibit Christian love, it says there's a couple of things about them. One is they've been born of God and that they know God. If you exhibit a Christian love, it's obvious that you know God. Uh, and that you've been born of him. We'll talk about that in a little bit more in a minute. But love comes, how does, how does love come to a new believer? It comes, come, comes through two things. One is when we, became, we be, when we become saved and we receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, we receive a new self, right? Uh, the Scriptures teach, especially Paul teaches over and over and again about this, is that we receive a new being. We, became a, we become a new creature. And that new regenerated person in us the work of the Holy Spirit in us is, creates in us uh, the character, begins creating in us the character and the nature of God. And the character and nature of God is what? Love, right? We can't avoid it. And it, not only that, not only is it the new life that we get through salvation, but also love comes from fellowship with God, you know? Uh, this is kind of like what we talked about last week when I was talking about uh, Brenda loves country music. I love Brenda, so I love country music, right? God is love, I love God, and so therefore I become more loving, right? As I follow and I walk with God, as I walk with God, especially if I walk with Christ for years and years of my life, one of the fruit of the Spirit or the primary fruit of the Spirit is love, more love in my life. Now, just before we go on for very much further through this, I wanted, to, I wanted to, to stop here just for a moment and express to you this. If you see yourself growing, uh, maturing, and yet your, the, your love for people is becoming more like intolerance for people, you're not really walking with God. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm saying but you've stopped walking with him because his character is going to be coming your character. And if you're growing more intolerant or, 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 or less able to love people, you're not walking well with him. Right? You've misunderstood about something. There's something wrong. There's something going on. Because the longer you walk with God, the more love there ought to be shown in your life towards people. It's just that simple, right? 
It's a good litmus test. How am I doing in my walk toward God? Well, how are you treating other people? More lovingly than you did? More in an attitude or love or less accepting, less loving? Uh, You're not walking with God in that way. Yeah? All right. Let's move on. Um, And if, let's see, uh, let's, let's move on to verse 8. If you don't, uh, if you don't love, you don't know God. In verse 8, it says this, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. People who carry out violence and whose speech is full of hate, uh, people who carry out violence against the innocent, uh, and they say they do it in the name of God, they are liars. They don't know God, right? You can't be full of hate and yet know God. You can't really know him and be full of hate and, and, and anger and anguish towards people. The two are incompatible. If you don't show love, you don't know God, is right what John was saying here. Uh, and I'll let you guys carry that however far you want to go. But uh, anyway, but let's move on. Uh, love is intrinsic to the character and the nature of God. It says very plainly in there what God is love. God is love, and if you know him, then, you, then you'll know his love. If you don't know him, if you don't show love, then you don't know him, even if you think you do. All right, in verse 9, uh, verses 9 and 10 are the ones we're really going to focus on today. Read this with me. This is how God showed his love amongst us. among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God showed his love uh, toward us in that he sent his, his son to die for us, his one and only son. That, the term that there that's used for his one and only son talks about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, that his only born son, the only one he had, the only, only son that God had, he gave up for us. All that he had in the son of Jesus Christ, he gave up for us. That's supposed to be a statement about how very much the Lord God loved us, that he would give his one and only unique, the only one, the one, the unique one, Jesus Christ on our behalf. That speaks of God's love toward us, yeah, that he would give something so very precious and so very unique uh, that he would give him on our behalf. Um, And let me say, um, you know, we forget sometimes, if you've been a Christian for very long, it's very easy for us to forget, but let me remind you of where we all were before we came to know Jesus Christ. We were lost in our sin, and we weren't seeking for God. We weren't looking for him. He wasn't responding to us, fasting and praying and searching for him. He gave his son before any of that happened. And we were lost, and our destiny in sin was what? Would Paul write? Is death. And we all deserved death because we were born in sin and willfully committed sin and we didn't look for God and we didn't seek him and we tread on his authority over our lives. And then in the midst of all that, God gave his son that we might have life. And it's an incredible thing. This is an incredible statement about God. An incredible thing about God is this, is that he didn't wait for us to show him love or to be looking for him, but he went first. Let me tell you, let me say this in a way that maybe we can all relate to. Have you ever been in a, in a, in a, in a fight with your spouse? You know, you ever been in a fight in a disagreement and hurtful words are said, uh, and then there's that, you know, period of silence or the cold shoulder or everyone's walking on eggshells and, and neither of you want to talk about the 300-pound, the uh, you know, elephant in the room. No one wants to, no one wants to breach that, that again. Well, here's, here's what happens in the middle of that is that if, you, if one of you has to be the one to, to be courageous, right, and to step out there and do what? apologize 
Yeah, to, to start to make reconciliation happen. One of you has to breach through the silence and breach through the awkwardness and the anger and the hurt and be the bigger person and step out and say, I'm sorry, we're going to get through this together. I don't know how we're going to come to agreement on this part, but the most important thing is that our relationship, is our relationship survives, you know? Uh, that, those, are, those are important things. But here's the thing, is that someone has to go first, Someone has to initiate the reconciliation. Someone has to be the first one to step in and, and to say, I apologize. I shouldn't have said what I said. Or I was being selfish or I was being self-centered. Or, or when I said that, I, I didn't mean it the way that it came out. Or someone has to go first, right? In our relationship with God, he went first. And can I tell you, that's a really courageous thing to do, isn't it? It's courageous in our relationships to do. Uh, but it was even more courageous for God to do because he knew uh, in many respects that Jesus would be rejected, you know? Jesus would be rejected in this world, and really there would be only be a minority of people who would come to follow him, and the vast majority of humanity would reject Jesus Christ and say, no, we don't believe in him. We don't believe in this salvation. We don't believe in what he's done. We don't believe in who he said he was. Uh, but in courage, and in courageous love, God went first. Um, it's kind of like uh, when you're in a dating relationship and you're the first one to say, I like you, right? That's really stepping out there. That takes a great deal of courage, doesn't it, to be the first one to say, I like to hang out with you or something like that. It's very awkward because you don't know how it's going to be returned, do you? That's the awkwardness of, of that kind of breaking through that silence. And it's also the awkwardness that happens between husband and wife sometimes, that we don't want to step back into the trouble. We don't want to step back into that mess that, that this argument was having in our lives. But someone's got to be the brave one. Someone's got to show some courageous love there and to say, I fess up. I want to take my part. I want, to t I want to confess my guilt here in this argument, right? The same thing is, is the courage of God to put forth his very best, his unique, his one and only son into a world that ultimately would primarily reject him. But that's the love of God, saying, I don't care how they're going to respond. I'm going to demonstrate my love for them first. I'm going to go first. I'm going to demonstrate it. I'm going to show it like the world has never seen before. The world's never seen this kind of demonstration, this hugeness of a demonstration of love. The world's never seen before, but I'm going to demonstrate my love for them, even though many of them, most of them, won't return in love to me. That's incredible, amazing love of God, that he would go first, that he would initiate, that he would show courageous love for us. The other part in that, verse, verse 10, would you read with me verse 10? This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is love, not that we love God, but that he, what? Loved us. Are you with me? All right. Jesus didn't come in response to our love for God. He went first. Also, I need to explain that terminology, atoning sacrifice. That's a word that we could use, we could plug in the word propitiation. What that means is, the word propitiation means that, that Christ's sacrifice satisfied God's wrath, right? In other words, you and I were born in sin, committed sin uh, on purpose, purposefully walked in sin uh, until we came to know Jesus Christ, but we purposefully walked in sin. And so God, being perfectly holy and righteous and just, burned with, with righteous uh, anger toward our sin, and would pour out his punishment on us, except 
Someone stood in the way. He sent his son, and he stood in the way, and he absorbed, is another way to put that, he absorbed the wrath of God on himself, like the prophet would write Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 53, right? He took on all of our transgressions and our afflictions. We, we, we esteemed him not. We assumed that he was smite, smitten by God, but really the truth is, is he was smitten by God for our sins so that he would uh, propitiate or satisfy the God's holiness and righteousness and his punishment for our sin was all placed on him. Uh, so much is the, is the love of God. And not only was, was Christ's uh, sacrifice uh, so sufficient at absorbing God's wrath, but not only did we escape God's wrath, but it was, his sacrifice was so abundant that we have an abundance of grace and mercy left over from God. That's kind of the amazing thing, isn't it? Is that not only did we escape going to hell, we also receive grace and mercy from God by the work of Jesus Christ. So powerful was the sacrifice of Christ that all that God has left for us now who believe and follow in Jesus Christ, all he has left for us now is grace and mercy. Yeah? And one day we're going to leave this life, and it says in the next life we get a reward for following him. Incredible. We get to share in Christ's reward for just for following him in our lives. Amazing stuff. If You know, that's the kind of stuff, if it weren't in the Scriptures, it would be hard for me to believe. But anyway, verse 11. Dear friends, since God also loved us, so we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. John's writing something really interesting here. He's saying that no one has ever seen God, but if you love him and his love is demonstrated within you, then there is evidence of God there. All right, now... Let me stop here for just a moment and, 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 tell you what he, and tell you what this means. What he's saying is, as Christians follow Jesus Christ, even though God has not been seen before, people can see God by your actions and your words. When you love people selflessly and you love people like Christ did, John's saying we can see evidence of Jesus Christ. We can see him manifested in loving Christians. We can see him. Um, and actually, he'd say some interesting things here after that. Let's get to that. Um, in verse 13, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. In verse 14, it's really fascinating. He said, he says, we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. He's saying, we people who have seen the love of Christ demonstrated through other Christians, we've seen that, and now we can testify that truly God has sent his son to save the world. Yeah, this is an amazing statement here, but he says, we, no one can see the invisible God, but when Christians love like Christ did, we can see evidence in the manifestation of God, and we can say truly, yeah, I believe it, God sent his son as the savior of the world by the love that Christians would show, um, by the love that Christians should show. <clears throat> Here's what I want to get to today, though, is this. Um, it's really hard to show the love of Christ. Um, let me just give you an example. Brent and I have been married 18 years uh, ago today. 18 years ago today we were married. We went through a very difficult time, and a matter of fact, I would say that there were probably about three years of the silence in our home. Is that about right, you think? About three years of that silence in our home where we couldn't hardly speak to each other uh, without the other one getting offended. 
Um, and that's a difficult time. Let me tell you what, that's a, that, that's a long road to hoe, you know what I mean, <laughs> to, to whenever you're coming home and, and there's just this tension there. And I know none of the rest of you have ever experienced that in your marriage, right? But, <clears throat> but anyway, okay, only silence. All right, well, that was kind of awkward. <clears throat> we experience that in our marriage. We experience that uh, b- between each other sometimes. Uh, and... Uh, um, but I tell you what changed uh, in my mind. We, well, there are a lot of things that changed. God brought a lot of things together for us. But the things, that, one of the things that changed uh, my life in in, uh, in in our marriage was I I saw how very selfish I had been. And uh, I would only love Brenda when she was loving towards me. And it dawned on me this is not a Christ-like kind of love, right? This is a very human kind of love. When you love people just because they love you, that's not Christ's love. Christ's love is, I'm going to love other people no matter how they respond. That's a Christ-like love. That's the love that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 when he said, love your enemies. He said, anyone can love their friends, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for them. Um, Not to say that my wife was my enemy at that time. Those two things don't have anything to do with each other. But... uh, that's the kind of love that transformed our home because I would come to the end of myself and Brenda was not responding to me in, in loving and I wasn't responding, her being very loving. And then I started praying and just asking God and I swear to you, this is what changed our relationship, at least from my point of view, was I started praying, Lord, help me love her like you do because I can't do it. You hear me? Help me to love her like you do because I can't. And over a period of years, the Lord began to renew our relationship and renew our love for each other. And I promise you this. You know what? I skipped a little something that I need to show you. Um, in verse 13, it says, We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That The last of that phrase says, uh, given us of his spirit can be also translated or or more literally translated that because he has given us out of his spirit. What that's saying is is that out of the resource of God's Holy Spirit, we've received what we give. You follow me? In other words, I have a source of love in me that doesn't just come from me. It comes by the abiding life of Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit in me, and that I have to draw from as a Christian that I didn't have before I was a Christian, and I can draw on this source of love instead of just my frail love that I have, and I can draw on this source of love, and I can begin to show a Christ-like love uh, for my husband or or for my wife. That's incredible. That is life-changing, you know? That is life-changing, and it changed my life, and it changed Brenda's life for the better. And I tell you, I've never had such a good friend or had such a good time with anybody than I do with Brenda. Uh, But it it all came from a transformation when I began to see that my love is shallow, and it's not the love I'm called to show. I need Christ's love for my wife. And that changed our lives. Amen? Amen. That changed our lives. But can I tell you, um, we're not able to do that ourselves, you know. In my own flesh, you know, when someone wrongs you, you want to wrong them, right? Someone is hateful toward you, you want to be hateful toward them. That's, that's our sinful flesh, isn't it? Is that, you know, standing up for ourselves. Uh, but Jesus Christ would say, no, you show them love, and you show them love like I did, regardless of their response. 
you be loving toward them. You show them the love that Jesus Christ showed. You go first. You be courageous. You be the courageous one, and you show love no matter how they respond. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. All right, can I tell you, this is only possible if you're abiding with Jesus Christ. If you're not abiding with Jesus Christ, um, you're not going to have the love for other people or your spouse or anyone else. This comes from years of walking with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Um, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, love is the primary fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, God, you remember all that? All right. Um, love is the primary fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit is not a gift. The Bible distinguishes between fruit and gifts. Uh, our salvation is a gift from God, but the fruit of the Spirit is fruit. A gift is instantaneous. A gift is something that's given to you and you have it immediately, but fruit is something that's produced over time. You cannot have the love of Christ and demonstrate the love of Christ without an abiding relationship with him. You can't have it. It won't work. You can't do it. You have to be abiding with him and walking with him. And over time, just as you see fruit produced on fruit trees, with care, with water, with, uh, with, day, with day after day of sun and rain and sunshine and carbon dioxide, you begin to see fruit being produced. It doesn't happen instantaneously. And it's something that you'll always be growing in. But you can't do it without abiding in Jesus Christ. The other thing I'd like to say is that, folks, listen, we're supposed to have a courageous, uh, unconditional love for each other and love for other people, one that goes out of our way to show love and concern for, uh, for other people, you know? And, and, and I just, let me just ask you this before we go too much further. When was the last time that you showed an unconditional, unselfish love for someone that you had no idea how they were going to return it? When was the last time you made time in your day to show some concern for someone that wasn't, you know, your immediate family or your husband or your wife that you just wanted to show Christ's love to out of the blue? That's the kind of love that we're supposed to demonstrate. And John would write, we can see the manifestation of God when Christians act like this. When they show a God-like love, we can see God in action. We can see him, and we know that he gave his son because we see Christians acting in ways that can't be explained otherwise than it's God working in them. Yeah? <clears throat> All right, let's close like this. Is, is there... Do you have silence in your marriage? Is there silence? Are there things that you can't talk about? Are there hurts that are there in your marriage? Are there things that, that, that you just don't bother treading about? Are you walking on eggshells? Are, are things very difficult in your marriage? Um, let me tell you what Christ's love can do. Um, Christ's love can break through the silence and re begin re the work of reconciliation in your relationship. And all you have to do is, out of the Holy Spirit, is begin to ask him to work out his love toward your husband or toward your wife in you. Yeah? That's the power of the work of love, the power of the Holy Spirit in us. <clears throat> is there silence between you and someone else because of some miscommunication, some misunderstanding, something that you said that you shouldn't have said? <clears throat> have there been years? I know, listen, I know folks that for years in their own family haven't spoken over some argument that no one can remember. You know folks like that? Yeah, it's incredible how far we will let things go. I guess, I don't know, and a hurt or pride or something, but uh, how long we'll let things go. A God-like love, a Christ-like love 
will step in the middle of that and say, no, reconciliation is so important. I'm going to go first, and I don't care how they respond. I have an obligation to show Christ's love to them, no matter how deep my hurt, no matter how, how very painful this has been. been I, have a, a, I have an obligation to show the love of Christ and to go first and to initiate regardless of their response. Yeah? It's the love of Christ. Um, the last thing is this, is, is, there silence, um, is there silence between you and friends in regards to anything that's spiritual? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, are you able to talk to people about everything except Jesus Christ? You know what I mean? You, can, you, know, you can talk about the cowboys, and you can talk about the rain, and you can talk about the weather, but when it comes to spiritual things, do you get a little tongue-tied there? Listen, in our society, in our culture, we, make, we, we say that, that, uh, that, that Christianity, that religion is something that's very private, and we make it very uncomfortable to talk about. I'm telling you, if you and I really believed in the redemption and the transforming work of God in our lives, we couldn't keep silent. True? True. Are you tongue-tied when it comes to talking to your friends about spiritual things? Listen, Christ's love would say, I can't help but communicate the love of God and the love that he's shown me to other people. Yeah? God help us. God help us. That's a difficult thing. That's a, that can be a difficult thing to overcome. All right. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment and pray together. Um, we have some... Uh, do, do you, do you want to get uh, uh, Cheyenne? That'd be great. We're going to have just a moment and... Uh, and, and uh, bring up uh, Cheyenne, and also Katie wants to join our church today, so we're going to do that. I'm going to give you just a moment to respond. If You know, and I don't do this often enough, if you're here and you've been wondering how to join our church, let me tell you, it's very simple. Um, all you do is, you have to be, there are just two basically criteria. One is, you have to be a believer, obviously, and we want to basically, I want to know you well enough to know that you're a believer, to hear your, your story of, uh, of how you came to Christ, and you need to be baptized. Um, and so, uh, anyway, that's basically how membership works here. So if anyone else is interested in becoming a, uh, a member of the church body, that's basically how it works. Uh, I don't explain that well enough, uh, often enough. But anyway, that's basically how it works. If you're interested in that, if you'd like to, even today, uh, become a, a member of our body, if uh, we can chat about that. Or, of course, you can catch me later and we can do that. But anyway, um, let's give just a moment of response. And you guys come on down here, Katie, if you want. And... Uh, and give you guys just a moment here to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Uh, we thank you, Lord God, that, we, uh, that, that you've shown us such incredible love, that you went first, that you initiated, that you didn't wait for our response, but you sent your son to die for us so that we might know uh, the, the redeeming and the transforming love uh, that you have for us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would work your love into our lives, into our relationships, uh, into our marriages, into our families, Lord God, that there may not be those, those uh, periods of silence, but that we would be able to show the, the love of Christ and that we could, too, have that kind of courageous love for, for other people that, that didn't wait or didn't uh, uh, wait for a response or wait until it was safe to, to, sh to say things or to make reconciliation. Uh, but, Father, help us to have a courageous love like Jesus Christ has for us. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. You guys come stand and face everybody here. Let's see. First off, the one I'm most late on here is uh, Katie about four weeks ago uh, came and 
was it six weeks? Okay, I'm sorry. About six weeks ago, came in and uh, we visited a little bit because she wanted to come and join our church body. So anyway, uh, uh, Katie is a believer, has been baptized, and would like to join our church body. Um, if you would accept her as, as part of our church family, if you would agree to support her and encourage her in her walk with Jesus Christ, would you please stand? Thank you. Yes, and we are great, glad to have you, Katie. All right. And, of course, we're supposed to have a Christ-like love for each other, encourage each other to speak to her about things that are going on in our lives, and, and he with, she with us and we with her, and, uh, and uh, just show a great concern and great love for each other. The other thing we have is Cheyenne, formerly known as Consuelo. Um, also, what, well, do you want to, how do you feel about talking? Would that be okay? Do you want to tell everybody what you, what you and I and Brenda prayed for? You can talk right into that mic right there. We prayed for after Vacation Bible School. What did you pray? Uh, about Jesus to be get, getting in my heart. Come into your heart. And, did, and you asked him to forgive you for your sin? You did, didn't you? That's huge, isn't it? Well, listen, as your church family, we want to say that is the greatest and most courageous thing we've ever heard. Everybody clap. On the what? On the chairs. Oh, I'm sorry. And she smashed her finger on the chairs. But anyway, um, uh, Cheyenne w uh, wants to uh, just wanted to come today, or I wanted her to come and share uh, what has happened in her life because it's huge, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very big. Yep, she came with tears in her eyes and said that she wanted to ask Jesus into her heart, and she understands very well about the Lord taking away her mm -hmm. sins and about Jesus coming and living in her heart, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. You're awesome. All right, well, very good. Well, you guys want to come by and uh, give these guys a hug and, uh, and tell them hello. We're also uh, going to have a baptism class um, the first weekend in August on that Saturday. Um, and anyone, I've been talking to a lot of folks about baptism. If you have a child or you're interested, we're going we're gonna to do it on a level that kids could understand. But we, I want uh, parents and their children to come so we can all be there to talk together. And uh, Cheyenne's going to be here for that, right? Bye. All right. All right. Very good. All right. Well, we're proud of you. Yeah, we love you. Yeah? All right. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. Let's close together in prayer. Tim, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?